and welcome everybody to the Down and Away podcast. My name is Fernando Mendez, joined here by our two amazing co-hosts, Andrew Ciccarelli. Andrew, let's start off with you. How you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Having a, you know, good time, good week. Hoping that baseball will be back, but, you know, crossing my fingers. Ugh, let's not even get started with that headache. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we're all going to go on a tangent. I can feel it already. It's blowing in the air. Um, are, most importantly, my friend, are you staying safe? I know uh, uh, Arizona has been hit incredibly hard. They have had, what, a, I think a couple thousand cases in the last couple of days of yeah, uh, COVID-19? Yeah, we, we just had uh, our biggest case today, our biggest case increase today, 40% increase. We're up to 2,500 cases, I think, today. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I know. It's uh, You said, uh, what, last time we recorded that it was like one of the epicenters in the country, right? Yeah. It was one of the hot spots, and now, I mean, it's gone out of control. Our, yeah, our governor, a lovely guy, just came out and said that we just have to learn to live with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, unless you ironically or unfortunately pass away from COVID-19, then you can't live with it. So. Yeah, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't live... Feel free to use my passing for promotion for this show. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, hope that we're not talking about anybody, uh, any of our loved ones and or friends uh, passing uh, anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, no, stay safe out there for sure. Take care. Um, Ian, how are you doing over on the East Coast? Pretty solid. Yeah. Just uh, staying at home, social distancing. Good, Tomorrow. good. That's definitely uh, the best thing you can do at the time. Uh, you said uh, you're still doing a couple of classes. Are those going good as well? Yeah. Um, you know, online classes, kind of strange. Uh, kind of kind of weird to get used to. But it's, uh, it's going as well as, about as well as I thought it would. So uh, just been another semester of school for me. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I could not do online school. That was um, that was difficult for me. I mean, going inside a class was was always something else. I, that was that was manageable, but I give you props for dealing with the online school. So yeah, it's, it's not the easiest you. having to wake up in the morning and jump on a Skype call basically for your class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough to do that for a podcast sometimes, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> and this is something we actually like talking about. Not that you don't enjoy uh, you know, aspects <laughs> of school, I'm sure, but. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, um, let's go ahead and dive into the episode here, folks. Uh, so today's episode, we actually thought it would be a fun idea to, since we're always sitting here bashing each other's team, basically, I and mean, we do it in a nice way, but uh, we thought it'd be a cool opportunity to go ahead and perhaps compliment each other's team and specifically players on each other's team. So we wanted to go by and each cover uh, what our favorite player is on the other team represented that we do not cover on the podcast. So, you know, I would say what my favorite Dodger and Padres are, you know, Andrew would do the same, etc. So, yeah, am I missing anything? Did I explain that poorly? I think that's about it, yeah. Okay, perfect. Now, before we dive into that, um, I do want to go ahead and address the elephant in the room, if you will. Now, um, Major League Baseball is a hot topic right now in the sports world, and 
not exactly for the reasons that MLB would like. Um, any of you guys want to go ahead and talk about what's going on? Ian, want to go ahead and give us a little bit of a background? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, uh, MLB submitted their kind of final offer for uh, starting with the Major League Baseball season. Um, I believe I don't, I don't know the exact years. I believe it was about seventy games at like an eighty percent salary, eighty uh, percent prorated salary, something along those lines. I think it was seventy-four uh, games. Yeah, it was in the low seventies, I think. Um, yeah. And the players rejected it. Uh, they basically no longer ne- negotiations are over. Essentially, the two sides couldn't come to an agreement. So we're basically just waiting to see if Commissioner Rob Manfred is going to unilaterally impose a season on the players and if the players are even going to show up really uh and if the owners are maybe gonna (laughs) the owners might conspire against the players to try to prevent the season from even happening it's kind of a mess right now uh but still up in the year whether or not we're going to have a season which you know this late into the year we're almost halfway through a would-be mlb season so it's kind of crazy we're just talking about even if we're going to have a season yeah no that was the perfect explanation um I'm probably going to go ahead and go on a tangent here. So I'm going to go ahead and try to go last. Maybe I'll cool off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> if any of you guys want to go ahead and jump in and give your opinion on it, maybe we'll start off with Andrew. Uh, go ahead and give your honest opinion as far as what's going on right now. How does this look for baseball? What do you think is going to happen? All that. It, it seems like both sides are, are going for like the moral high ground instead of like trying to act in good faith and come up with some kind of economic middle ground I, I was reading like an interesting article talking about how the owners are asking basically the players to take on the loss of the loss of revenue from you know the stadiums and because the the players don't have any you know hand in the in the pot of the revenue from television deals like the increase in revenue that it's kind of like a non-starter and so while both sides are trying to place the blame on the other side the owner saying the loss of revenue, that they're going to make a loss. They take on all the risk. You know, the players should be mindful of that. And the players are saying, hey, we don't get a hand in the pro- in excess profits in the previous seasons. And we have a guaranteed contract, so we should, you know, get, you know, our fair share. And they're both making a plea to the fans when it seems to me that instead they should be meeting and trying to come up with some kind of economic middle ground where the players should be, you know, receiving some of the profit from the TV revenue and, maybe taking on a little bit of the loss from the loss of revenue from the, from the audience. So, I mean, and as long as both sides are trying to go for a high ground morally, I don't see this coming to, you know, a clean resolution. Okay. No, I, very valid statement. You probably said that way better than I uh, would have, or at least way calmer than I would have. So, uh, Ian, do you want to go ahead and give uh, your opinion? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I speak for everybody when I w- say I want to see baseball, but I don't know. I don't know that I want to see baseball in the state that it might be, based on a Rob Manfred, you know, unilaterally imposed season, which would be, you know, forty-eight games, some probably in the neighborhood of forty-eight to sixty games. You know, universal DH, expanded playoffs. It, it really doesn't seem like baseball to me. I mean, it's still baseball, obviously. It just doesn't seem like you know, my favorite aspects of baseball, which are the long season, you know, time for all these, you know, variables to stabilize. You know, speaking from the perspective of 
my favorite team, you know, being projected to be the best team in the National League. It just it just feels very ripe for, you know, a first round exit to an eight seed team like the freaking Giants or something. That that's just not the kind of season I want to see happen. Um, and honestly, I, I would like to see baseball, but not at the cost of you know the players giving up, you know, their health and their safety and not being compensated properly for you know you know putting their health at risk just to entertain people. And really entertain people in not a super effective way, in my opinion, with the conditions that might be imposed on this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, I think we're all kind of walking a thin line here as far as being fans and trying to be people. We all want baseball back desperately. But, I mean, it, it, you're trying to walk a thin line between, you know, hey, I don't want to be an a-hole and I don't want these players to, you know, potentially catch this virus and not be able to see their families again, you know, but yet we also have that selfish idea of, Hey, we want to watch baseball, which I think is valid, you know, as a fan of anything, but um, you know, it's it, it just kind of hard to remind ourselves that, Hey, these are people, they do have families. Uh, Andrew, I cut you off before you're going to say something. No, no. Yeah. I, I agree with Ian. And it might, it might be, you know, like, you know, coming from being in Arizona where like our, our government here doesn't want to, recognize that we're really in a pandemic or do anything about it maybe it would be good for baseball to take a yeah, stance on that. yeah yeah not at all like it, <laughs> it it would be nice to see a major organization say hey we don't want to put our players at risk we're just not going to do it the health and safety is more important well, maybe if they had said it a while ago it would be respectful at this point it would just be yeah, actually both sides couldn't come to an agreement so we're just going to give up now <laughs> i don't yeah. think anybody would perceive it as and we're taking the high ground here yeah, yeah, 100%. You're right. Now, um, I, I get, we you know, but I've been saying here that I'm going to go on a tangent. I'm going to be angry. Um, I'm not really going to be angry at the players or the Players Association. This is going to be me being angry with Rob Manfred specifically. Um, Andrew and listeners who have been on board since, you know, earlier episodes will know that I've gone on tangents about Rob Manfred before, and Andrew and I have both been very angry about his decision to cut minor league teams in the past. So, you know, people know that we were kind of already starting to dislike, well, I don't know if he was starting to dislike Rob Manfred or if he ever liked him at all. I was a huge supporter of Rob Manfred for the longest time, but it seems like as time goes on, it almost seems as if he's unfit for the job. I mean, how was it that, you know, within a week, you can go from, oh, 100% baseball is going to be played to, oh, I don't know if we're going to play at all. How does that happen in a week, guys? Seriously, can, can, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, You're the I... commissioner of baseball. How are you going to literally promise people that there's going to be base- – 100% is a promise. That, you, know, there's, you can't even interpret that any other way. It's not even like he was like, oh, this is a 60% chance. You know, because then you can pull the card of, oh, well, you know. I thought it was going to happen, but if you literally guarantee it's going to happen, not even... (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it seemed like. I mean, no. That was was definitely a bad... uh, That was a huge public relations fiasco right there, coming out and promising, and then two days saying he's not 100% sure anymore. Well, yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's about remembering what his job is and who is, I mean, he's employed by the owners to essentially be like the owner's mouthpiece. So, I mean, if 
I, I, I apparently it was, you know, a few days ago, the owners decided they were going to have a season. And, you know, within the last couple of days, things changed, I guess. And, you know, that, that's, I mean, I guess, unfortunately for Rob Manfred, the, the burden is on him to tell the public about it. Well, where's the self-accountability? I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's been no apology made by him yet, right? Like saying, hey, man, it's my fault. I promised something I couldn't deliver, right? I don't think there's been that kind of information out by him. Correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen any. I don't think so. No. And you probably never will. <laughs> because people with money or people who work for people with money don't ever take self-accountability. Here, My whole thing with Rob Manfred is, you know, like, are you out of your mind? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, it, it's, it is frustrating with these owners. I mean, I... It's so easy to just say, hey, you know, pay these players. Um, and, you know, it's not even about that anymore, I don't think. I mean, do you guys think that the play- that the owners were going to give the players 100% prorated contracts at any point? No. I no, not, they didn't. Yeah, not at all. Do you think they should have? I, mean, I think they should. Morally, they should have. Financially, I mean, I don't know the numbers of these teams. Like, from, from the outside looking in, it seems as though they should be able to. I don't know what's going on in the inner workings, but morally, obviously, they should have been able to pay for prorated salaries. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like if the profit was there that we'd already have a season, that's, like, my hunch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, this can't be good long-term for baseball at all. I mean, I would imagine that some season is better than no season. I mean, money-wise. I mean, I would much rather make $60 than $0 or $40 than $0. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this in the past where, I mean, anytime millionaires are fighting billionaires, it's, it really isn't going to be a good look. But in this particular scenario, the billionaires are the ones who look like, uh, you know, the, the jackbutts, if you will, keep it clean for the kids. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bad. No, you're. It's not a good look for the owners at all. And it doesn't seem to me like they care about looking like the bad guys. Like, as far as, like, they're going to make their argument. I don't know exactly who they're pitching their moral side to, but they're, it almost seems like they're pitching it to the other owners instead of the fans at large, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think the owners care about the fans necessarily. I mean, they care about them for their money, but I don't think they care about the well-being of the fans or, you know, the overall health of the game of baseball. I mean, buying a team to them is an investment. They're gonna always going to put that investment first. I, don't... I mean, th- but that's the thing. You know, you got to put your investment first, especially one that I'm assuming is probably uh, the main source of most of these owners' income. Obviously not all of them. A lot of these guys, you know, made their fortune way before baseball. I mean, mo- uh, all of them did, or they wouldn't be baseball owners. But a lot of these guys, this is their biggest investment, right? So why on earth would you put yourself in a situation where you know, maybe they don't know. Maybe they really don't understand the fact that if there is no baseball season this year, a lot of people are probably <clears throat> not going to come back to be a baseball fans. It's not a secret that baseball ratings are down. So, I mean, people are going to start caring about basketball, hockey, NFL, and then it just, well, whatever, baseball, afterthought now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. not a lot of people like us. I mean, 
I only care about baseball. It's really the only sport I care about. I pretend to care about hockey. But I mean, besides that, I baseball is it for me. I, I I don't know about you fellows, but I, I think you guys are on the same boat from the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm, so I follow other sports, but baseball is the only sport I'm like really into. So Absolutely. definitely in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. You will, I wonder if they're like, if it's like a long play where they figure if they if the sport is damaged, they can use that in negotiations with the next CBA, get lower contracts, and then have increased profits as the sport recovers in like the next five to six years or however long the next CBA will last. Yeah. I, that would, wouldn't surprise me for sure. But I mean, the worst case scenario here is that, you know, the owner, we don't have a season this season and the player's relationship with the owners is so damaged that we're not going to have a 2022 season either. So, you know, two out of three seasons in a row is, are not going to have baseball, yeah. which would be an absolute disaster. Like, we're going to have the same problems next year with, it's not like this virus is going away. Right, yeah. Nope. Unfortunately, it's not going away anytime soon. All I know is, Rob Manfred, this is a really bad look for you. And obviously, I don't think there's any way that Ma- Rob Manfred is going to listen to my words. But who knows? Maybe his niece or nephew is listening to this. Rob Manfred, you are a man, baby. You <laughs> are... A- terrible human being how dare you promise this to people whose livelihood is on the line i have a buddy who works for the angels and even he posted on his instagram story that you know it's not fair to mess with people's you know lives like this you know anytime you're maybe not your direct boss but you know if you're a hot dog vendor at dodger stadium in some way, Rob Manfred is still your boss a thousand ways down the pyramid. But you guys understand what I'm saying. So yeah. if your head, head, head boss is over here saying, oh, this is going to be a season, you're going to be like, oh, great. I'm going to get my job back at some point. You know, well, maybe not hot dog vendors because, you know, they're still probably not going to be fans of the stands. But you guys understand what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, color commentators, you know, Terry Smith for the Angels, uh, Uncle Teddy. You know, what are these guys thinking? Like, oh, great. You know, we got to go back to commentating baseball. But it's just, it's it's a really, really bad look for baseball. Rob Manfred, this is now the second huge blunder that you could have potentially had this offseason. Cutting minor league teams, now promising something that we're probably not even going to get. This is terrible. This is embarrassing. You are one of the worst commissioners that could have possibly have been selected for this position. I regret you being in charge of our game that we all love so much. It's just terrible. I'm I'm embarrassed as a baseball fan. You know, hey, maybe I'll be wrong. Hopefully they figure something out. But I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that this is just unacceptable. This is this is silly. This is petty. This needs to end. Figure it out. Or at least do whatever you can to make sure that next year things are going to get figured out and that we're going to be in good standing come the collective bargaining agreement ending in two years. Yeah. Yeah, you said that well. Yeah, I mean, well, say that, Rob Manfred. I really think he is the worst commissioner of any of the four major sports. And people always point to Roger Goodell. But at least Roger Goodell can, you know, he can read a press statement. He can talk to the media. I don't know if you guys saw. At least saw. Roger Goodell knows that he's an idiot. <laughs> comes out all the time and like apologizes for things that he says or tries to correct himself. I mean, we saw what's happening right now with the Colin Kaepernick thing. Like, oh, the NFL should sign Colin Kaepernick. A team should sign him. 
It's like, Roger, you weren't saying that three years ago. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the um, the appearance that Rob Manfred made on SportsCenter or what, an ESPN show a couple days ago, but he just doesn't look comfortable get... public speaking. And you can go back to, like, <laughs> the, you can go back to, like, interviews he's had on ESPN, um, the press conference he did after the Astros thing at the start of spring training. The dude just doesn't, like, he doesn't seem comfortable talking to the media, which seems like a huge mistake. I don't know if you can hire somebody like that to be, like, the face of a league. Yeah, it's like, a bad move. Yeah, it it's doesn't look because of my, it's because of dollar signs. I mean, Roger, uh, Roger Goodell, Rob. I mean, I guess Roger Goodell too, but uh, I mean, Rob Manfred has just always been about the dollar signs, and obviously that's all owners care about. Yeah, I mean, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the big selling points when he was first hired was that he's a good negotiator, but we haven't yep. seen any negotiation <laughs> skills recently. I mean, there there was no negotiations essentially for the past few 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 weeks where, you know, the owners were just pitching different lengths of a season at the same pay rate uh, what 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 ended up due to the math being the same pay rate and you know the player just continually refusing i mean there were no negotiations there yeah dude but, this his negotiation skills are comparable to my uh, to my five-year-old bless his heart <laughs> but i mean you know when anytime you try to negotiate with a five-year-old they think that they're it's their way or the highway that's exactly what rob <laughs> here so. Man, I, I hope I'm never like a hostage. And they call on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, one thing I do want to say, also, I don't know how you guys feel about your owners. How you guys think the owners of your of your respective team is uh, handling this situation? But all I'm saying is, uh, Arturo Moreno, Artie, if you're listening to this, obviously not going to happen either. But you never know. Artie, if you're listening to this, there is absolutely no possible way why you should be denying any of these players a full prorated salary. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Artie Moreno has recently, uh, they recently just released that he's one of Donald Trump's biggest financial supporters. He donated tons of money to his campaign. Now, I'm not here to get political in this particular situation. And, you know, regardless of how I feel about Donald Trump, everyone has the right to support whoever they want. But... If I were to ever hear that Artie Moreno is not in agreement with fully paying his players, yet he wants to donate a ton of money to any political um, campaign, that's when I lose it. Like, that's not fair. How are you just going to give away free money with for what? Maybe a tax break? Yeah. <laughs> pay your employees. I mean, didn't the Angels just forlow a ton of people in June? Yeah, they Literally, did. they forload what a ton of scouts. Yeah, yep. Oh, but it's all right. Let's give money to the trumpet here, the trumpet man. I don't get it. I don't get it. That that doesn't sit well with me at all. And um, my uh, my girlfriend's dad uh, sent me that screenshot, and I I received that screenshot from other people. Like, I got it the first time, like immediately when it was sent out. That like, oh, this is Donald Trump's biggest supporters, and Adam Brando was like eighth on the list or something. <laughs> I got that screenshot probably like from 12 different people. But that does not sit well with me at all. How are you going to give away money to any political, for anybody running for a political office, but you're not going to pay your employees? Not cool. Not cool with me at all. That's doesn't sit well at all. So, sorry, that was my little rant there, guys. <laughs> something worth ranting about. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't even care who you're giving money to. Right? 
You have the right to support any cli- uh, any. Why do I keep saying client? It's any <laughs> campaign that you want. But yeah, that's just that that upsets me a lot. Sitting in my hotel room, trembling, people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anybody have anything else to add about this topic? I mean, we're all on board here. I mean, you know, they got to do whatever they can to keep the players safe. I'm sure we all want a season, but we're not going to get the season that we want. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I'll just. I'm definitely not going to say I'm not going to watch uh, a shortened baseball season. Obviously, I'll watch, but I don't think I'll feel too good about watching. (laughs) (laughs) You hate watching. (laughs) Ian will be sitting there angry. He'll be sitting there with like a frowny face. <laughs> when the Dodgers are forty and seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Forty Mookie and seven and then walk off grand slam and you know, the yeah. World Series and he just sitting there with like hatred in his eyes. I mean, it'd be forty <laughs> and seven and then losing to a twenty five and twenty five team in the first round of the playoffs. Now yeah. you're getting it. <laughs> it's the it's the Dodger way. It's the Dodger way for sure. Yeah, it'll be the Giants this year, I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah, that right, would right really be a disaster. I, mean, I don't. Okay. I don't think the whole the end of that. thing is over. But I mean, it, maybe it's time to bring it back. And I think it was. I think it was established that it was the Taylor Swift album year theory. <laughs> what? <laughs> I heard I that. Didn't hear that. Yeah, I mean, when <laughs> uh, I believe Taylor Swift released an, re- released an album last year, and uh, kind of at the peak of the whole Giants, you know, going on like a crazy, you know, seventeen and two winning streak or something like that. And I think the Taylor Swift year bullshit theory was established. I don't know how well it holds up. It didn't, they didn't end the season too well last year, but that, that's kind of the working theory. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Bruce Bochy was just a giant Taylor Swift fan. So whenever, like, he heard the song, uh, that, that me-he-he song, I can't sing, sorry. <laughs> but uh, that me-he-he song, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I do, song, yeah. Shake it off. Maybe they just hit him. <laughs> They hit him in, in the feels, so he yeah. had to give like a motivational speech to Brandon Crawford. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I I don't have enough information to go argue against it, you know. <laughs> so for this point, it's valid. We're we're just gonna assume that it's valid. That's all we yeah. need to know. We don't need any scientific evidence. No, no, absolutely not. All right, are we ready to dive into the topic we're actually gonna talk about today? Yeah, let's do it. A little bit all happier right. talk. Yeah, right. So as I said earlier, we're going to go ahead and uh, instead of bashing each other's team this time, we're going to give a we're going to go ahead and name our favorite player on each representative's respective team. Uh, So one of them will be a current player. The other one will be the all time player. Uh, We'll try to make it not so obvious. So, you know, for current players like for the Angels, I mean, nobody's going to don't pick Mike Trout. I'm sure everybody would have said that. you know, etc. I'm sure you guys can figure out who that big guy is for uh, for each person's team. Um, before we name each other, uh, our favorite team on each other's team, should we just name uh, our favorite players on our team? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll just keep that short and sweet. Um, for me, my favorite current Angel is either Andrelton Simmons or Keenan Middleton. I've had an opportunity to meet both of them several times. They're both really nice guys. Um, they, um, they're both genuine people. Um, actually, funny story. Um, yesterday, on my girlfriend and I's Facebook memories, it just popped up that uh, we ran into Keenan Middleton at Disneyland. 
So I just started dating my girlfriend at the time, and uh, she hadn't met any of my friends. Like, we'd only been dating for like a month. So we go to Disneyland, just her and I. And um, we're walking past the Matterhorn, and my uh, Keenan Middleton from the Angels just walks over, and he's like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, what's up? And we just start chatting it up for a little bit. And I introduce, you know, my girlfriend, like, oh, yada, 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 this is my girlfriend. And, um, you know, uh, after reaching pleasantries, he goes off with his family. He does introduce us to his family and everything. We say hi, shake hands. And afterward, my girlfriend's like, oh, who's that? And I was like, oh, that's one of my friends. She's like, oh, I've never met one of your friends before. Uh, how do you know him? And I'm like, oh, that's Keenan Milton for the yeah, Angels. He's, he's an usually a baseball girl, player, yeah. Yeah, her jaw just dropped. <laughs> that, that's a flex right there. It is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The very first one of my friends. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Keenan, if you're listening to this, uh, shout out to you, man. Thanks for being awesome. Um, and then my all-time favorite angel is going to be uh, Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, first angel Hall of Famer. He's great. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and continue then with Andrew. Favorite Padre of all time and current Padre? Uh, my favorite current Padre, that would be uh, Chris Paddock. Uh, I, j- I just love the energy he brings to the mound, and I'm really excited to see his career grow. Yeah, you know, he's the cowboy, and I mean the sheriff. And uh, you like you like his mullet. I do. No, no, I just, I just love I love the whole the whole aspect. You know, he's out there. Yeah, he's young. He's trying to develop that image. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, 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 it's cool. You know, I hope he develops that third pitch and he really takes off. And then, uh, you know, my favorite Padre of all time, of course, could be Tony Gwynn. Six year anniversary of his death today. So you know, rest in peace, Tony. You meant a lot to the city of San Diego, and you're the best Padre of all time. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up, by the way. Um, yeah, Tony Gwynn, absolutely amazing uh, human being. Let's not even bring up his baseball stats. We've brought up his baseball stats countless times on this show, but, I mean, Tony Gwynn was just the perfect embodiment of what a – I don't want to say a perfect man is because, you know, perfect is just such a bad term to use because none of us are perfect, but – Tony Gwynn was just that guy who you you stopped for a second. You told your son, "I want you know that's a role model. That's somebody you want to look at, look up to. You want to be like him. You want to follow what he does." I mean, I think all of us were probably huge Tony Gwynn fans. Maybe not Ian. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit before my time, but I can absolutely appreciate what he did for the game of baseball. Yeah, I mean, I only ever got to see him play in person twice. Uh, I moved to San Diego and like. 2000 2001 so i only got to see him in the 2001 season so i got to see him play like twice but i mean i that's why it's easier for me i think to have fallen in love with tony Gwynn the man because i don't really get to see him play that much i've seen obviously highlights i've seen the replay games on tv but i mean what i saw him do as far as a humanitarian is just you know he was such a great guy he loved the city um yeah perfect perfect example of a good person Miss him every day. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add about that, uh, Andrew or Ian? Yeah. Even? No, I, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in San Diego. You know, I was born in San Diego in 1990. Uh, so my first experiences at a baseball stadium was watching Tony Gwynn play at Qualcomm or uh, Jack Murphy Stadium when I first went. And you know, just talk about a guy whose name meant so much to a city. Uh, you know, going over to San Diego State, being the head coach of the Aztecs. His name means a lot there. You know, they named the stadium after him. Just a great guy all around. And uh, I wish he was still here doing commentary, like being able to, you know, hear him talk about baseball, hear about hitting, listen to him talk about hitting, 
his interviews and uh, conversations with uh, Ted Williams are some of my favorite media and commentary that I've ever heard. Uh, anyone out there listening, just you know, look it up. Tony Gwynn with uh, Ted Williams. It's it's a great stuff. Amazing conversation. I mean, imagine being a fly on the wall for some of those conversations. I mean, obviously, you know, they're recorded. You you can hear some, but you know what I mean. Like a genuine conversation just between those two. Just imagine. Yeah, just just listen to the conversation and then imagine yourself as a fly on that wall as well. So you can like <laughs> you can double it up. <laughs> Well, I mean, they've gotten a meet before. Right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Ian, do you have anything to add about Tony Gwynn at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, the baseball reference page speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what year were you born again, Ian? Uh, Y2K. Yeah, so I mean, Tony Chris Jericho? Yeah. What's that? I said Chris Jericho? <laughs> Wrestling reference. That went straight over my head. Not gonna yeah, lie. no. I don't, I don't know no? <laughs> you guys don't even know who Chris Jericho is? I don't know who Chris Jericho is. What? <laughs> I, I think he's one of the biggest... I mean, he's... Well, yeah, one of the biggest wrestlers. He's also uh, in a band. I forgot what his <laughs> band is called. It's called Jericho? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, I think it's Fozzie. It's Fozzie. Okay, okay. <laughs> is he good? Is, is the band good? Uh, I cannot speak on, uh, for the band, but <laughs> I'm probably going to get a bunch of angry DMs. People yeah. are going to be like, you, you're terrible. How have you never heard of Fozzie? But yeah. I mean, I like him as a wrestler, so I mean, I guess that's what matters. Yeah, be careful. Our demographic might be completely overlapped with Fozzie fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. Now the, now the ratings are really going to plummet. That's all <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I like him as a wrestler, and as of right now, wrestling's really all I have. So, it's there's no baseball, there's nothing else. I don't really have a favorite basketball team. If I had to pick, I guess it's the Pelicans, and they're not going to do anything. The Coyotes are in some kind of fake playoffs, so I have nothing else, people. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, for everyone saying what they're favorite players on their teams are Ian Dodgers yeah um, my favorite active Dodger is Chris Taylor um, okay. kind of like the every man's baseball player you know he does whatever he does whatever he needs to to get the job done for his team uh, he's like this really you know humble quiet personality that, that I really relate to um, and he <laughs> 2017 was kind of the year that I you know really became a baseball fan I was been a Dodgers fan my whole life but like the year I really went into baseball was 2017 and that was like Chris Taylor's breakout year where he was like incredible he did the Hit the top of the order for the World Series team. Uh, deserves a World Series ring for that one. Uh, so, yeah. Kind of the reason he's my favorite current player. Uh, favorite all-time player? Probably Sandy Koufax. Um, you know, my grandfather used to, you know, when I was a kid, tell me stories about Sandy Koufax. And I wrote a bunch of books on him. It's really cool. He still shows up to Dodger Stadium for all the important games. And he still hangs out with all the pitchers. Um, special shout-out as well to uh, Rafael Fercal and Andre Ethier, who are my favorite daughters as a kid. Um, so those are probably my all-time all-time favorite Dodgers players. I always forget about Andre Ethier, but yeah, and I mean, he was a, a pretty huge name during uh, my childhood. Yeah, his his last at bat of his career was an RBI in Game Seven of the World Series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that? That was good. He was a great player. All right. Um, so I suppose now we'll go ahead and uh, now say what our favorite players are on the other 
person's team. So I'll start off. I'll do the Padres and the Dodgers, and then we'll have Ian go, and then do Angels and Dodgers, and then we'll have uh, Andrew go. Sounds good. All right. So uh, for me, uh, my favorite current Padre is Frenchie Cordero. And a lot of people are probably like, why the heck is Frenchie Cordero your favorite Padre? Once again, we're not picking obvious guys. Obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. would have taken the cake. But um, Frenchie Cordero gave me his game-used baseball bat and signed it during Arizona Fall League what, years ago when I saw that day we saw Tim Tebow play in the Arizona Fall League, my buddies and I. So uh, the fact that he even did that for me is awesome. That's the only autograph bat I have. So he's kind of always had a soft spot. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for him just because of that really cool thing he did for me um he's been kind of a 4a player lately been hurt a lot but uh, hopefully he figures it out soon and my favorite all-time padre since you already said tony gwynn uh, obviously it is tony but uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say jake Peavy. uh growing up in san diego i only ever got to watch padres games on tv so I still remember the 2007 Cy Young dominant Jake Peavy striking out 16 players in a game and still losing. Uh, you do you remember that Andrew? I, yeah, I remember. I it yeah. Was against the was it the Braves in San it Diego? Like, it was either the Braves or the, like the Diamondbacks, and they lost like one nothing or something. He did it twice <laughs> in that year, right? I think. Yeah, he, yeah. One of them was at home. One of them was away, I believe. Yeah, I remember. Yep, and I, it's, they had no offense at that time. You know, that was like Pete Petco Park, Pitchers Park years. Was that was it in two thousand seven the first time he did that sixteen strikeout situation? I felt like he he might have had one before then, but I'm not sure. Because I remember I remember he had like a, a high strikeout game going into like the seventh, and he, it was like a no hit bid, and they were worried about his pitch count because he's already over hundred, and then he ended up. Give it up a hit, so it was a, a non-starter. But I think both those 16 strikeout games were seven-inning affairs. Yeah, so I was... believe so, too. I remember um, in right field uh, at the Petco Ports, they used to have, like, the Ks, you know, like the giant, like, white little clip thing that they, like, clip on the the metal railing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember they had a J, A, and then an E, and then they would just add however many Ks. And <laughs> yeah. I remember that night, it was crazy. It was, like, 16 Ks. So... That was cool. I, I distinctly remember that. But, um, yeah, Jake Peavy, uh, my, probably my favorite all-time Padre besides Sonic Quinn. Now, as far as Dodger for me, uh, current would be um, Corey Seager. Uh, I just always liked him since I saw him play in Rancho Cucamonga, which is the single-A affiliate, as most of our listeners probably know for the Dodgers. Um, talented guy, but, uh, you know, just always hurt. Um Hopefully he can stay healthy too, because I mean he definitely has potential to be a really good player. Um, I, I love what he can do with the bat. Pretty talented with his glove too. Um, and my favorite all-time Dodger is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jackie Robinson. Um, uh, has done so much, um, especially in a time like right now with everything happening in the world. Um, I don't want to get too political, um, but. Um, you know, this is definitely a time to reflect on things, the good that Jackie Robinson did for the world, not even just baseball, uh, and what he was able to do for, you know, African-Americans around our country and the world, giving them the hope that they deserve. 
and showing them that they're more than capable of playing a game or, you know, doing anything they want on the world. So, don't know if yeah. anyone has anything else to add about No any arguments here. Yeah, all all are... great picks, yeah. Yeah, those are, yeah, definitely great choices. Thank you, thank you. Um, all right, we said Ian was going to go next? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I'll talk about my favorite angels first, I guess. Uh, my favorite active angel is got to be David Fletcher. Um, I don't know if you can tell by my pick of Chris Taylor as my favorite Dodger, but I, I definitely have a soft spot for utility guys. Um, guys will always, you know, put put the interest of the team above their own interest. They can play any position. Uh, that's kind of always how I saw how I saw myself as a baseball player as well. So I, if I had to compare my uh, baseball profile to any current player, it'd probably be David Fletcher. The uh, light-hitting utility infielder with no power, but he's got a glove. He can play anywhere on the field. That, that's definitely how I saw myself when I was playing. Um, David Fletcher, he's just a cool guy, you know? He just seems like a funny dude based on his Twitter and, and all the media I've seen. Um, you know? I, I see a lot of myself. If I were a baseball player, I'd be David Fletcher. That, that's basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, David Fletcher is one of my favorite players currently. He's really talented. It's, really, it's just fun to see what he can do. He's a very good contact hitter. I think he has a very underrated glove, so I, I can't agree with you more. Great pick. Yeah. Um, and for all-time favorite, Angel, uh, when I think back when I was a kid, I, I felt like the real face of the franchise for the Angels when I was growing up was Jared Weaver. He was, you know, he was an Angel for, uh, he's got to be at least 10 years, like during my formative 10 years or so. So when I think about the Angels when I was a kid, I think about Jared Weaver. Um, you know, his early days coming up was a really huge prospect, and then tail end of his career, him throwing an 85 mile an hour fastball and still striking guys out with it. Um, lots of memories of Jared Weaver, uh, including the time where he threw a no hitter against the Dodgers and lost, which is, yeah. was kind of a fork in baseball history. Um, yeah, favorite, favorite angel of all time got to be Jared Weaver. He was an angel for 11 years, by the way, so you, you were pretty close. Yeah, I mean those ten years there, those eleven years he was an angel really encompassed like my formative years as you know as, as a kid and a teenager. So I think well when That's I think fair. back at the Angels franchise, somehow even more than Mike Trout, I think of Jared Weaver. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, he was. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. The face of the franchise for years, for sure. Um, also, I don't think I mean I don't think any of us will remember off the top of our heads, but um, I had season tickets in uh, what twenty seventeen. Or 2016, so his last year as an Angel. So I, I went to, I think, all but, like, three of his home starts that year. I'm pretty sure he had, like, a 60-something mile-an-hour fastball or curveball at the end of his career. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I'm not even kidding. That was, was always the joke. Is like, how does he get people out? Like, he doesn't throw – he throws an 80-something – he throws, like, a low to mid-80s fastball. And he still – these guys can't catch up with it because they're waiting on that 60-mile-an-hour. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, – that was, I think, kind of his downfall, unfortunately. Those last two years, people really did just sit on that curveball. They took it for, they took advantage of it. Like the first two times through the lineup, he was fine. It was always that third time through the lineup that it hurt him. I think he could have potentially made a pretty decent closer at the end of his career. Maybe, you know, after his Padre stint, if he would have got another opportunity, I think he could have gone to the bullpen. And maybe, you know, had the whole Trevor Hoffman change-up thing kind of going on, but with a curveball? Yeah, maybe. Maybe profiling more as, like, a middle or long reliever. I don't know if... 
I don't know many closers with an 80 mile an hour fastball that can really stick it. So, I don't know. I guess Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, Hoffman, Hoffman didn't uh, have any overpowering stuff. All right, I can move on to my favorite Padres now. Um, my favorite active Padre, kind of a weird pick. I'm gonna go with Matt Strom. Uh, Matt Strom. First of all, look, he has great hair. Like that, that, that's, that's like the first thing you think about. <laughs> that's all we needed, right there. Yeah. Um, you know, it is. It's really flowing. He, he's got. He's got it going back there. Uh, other fact about Matt Strom, he's the only active baseball player from North, only active major league player from North Dakota. Uh, a little while ago, I was trying to do an out of the park sim with all the best players from each state, and I quickly found out that was a problem because he was the only player from North Dakota. <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of states that only have one active major league player. Um, Can you think of any others? Like off uh, the top of your head? Not, I mean, like South Dakota and like. Nebraska, Wyoming, and you definitely can't feel the full team of major league players from those states. Uh, we could have just done a, you know, a yeah. northern state situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Matt Strom kind of embodies, like, he is just the, the most average pitcher. Like, he, he really, none of, you look at his stats, and really nothing jumps out as being incredibly good or incredibly bad, you know? Last <laughs> season, he had a 90 ERA plus, 4.4 fifth. You know, the perfectly fine number. He threw 114 innings. Like, he really embodies that, like, swing man, six-starter rule. That's just, like, he's a pitcher, you know? And there's something to be said about how hard it is to be just an average pitcher in Major League Baseball. And I think Matt Strom embodies that rule really well. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. And then my, for my all-time favorite Padre pick, I went with Dave Winfield. Um you know, I, I never got to see him play in person, uh, but I actually did get to meet him once at a Little League tournament in San Diego I went to, uh, and he's super active in, like, charity in Southern California. He has all these foundations and everything like that, and the dude is, like, really well-rounded. He's, like, an intellectual. He talks about, like, books and literature a lot and poetry. Um, he's, like, the owner of a bunch of businesses and on the board for a bunch of businesses. Uh, he's, like, a rep in the MLBPA. He like had, he's, like, an assistant to Tony Clark, who's the MLB, like the head of the MLBPA. Just a very smart, well-rounded guy. Um, and, you know, beyond that, there's something to be said, I think, for professional athletes that really are just themselves. Like, they don't really, you know, they don't really have a camera personality. They're, they're just unabashedly themselves. Guys like Ricky Henderson or Reggie Jackson are the <laughs> ones that come to mind. That, you know, they're, they're kind of... They're kind of full of themselves, but they can be full of themselves. They're world-class professional athletes. And uh, Dave Winfield is kind of like that, too, except maybe less of an asshole than Reddy Jackson. But uh, Dave Winfield is kind of a larger-than-life personality. Just a cool guy all around and great baseball player, Hall of Famer. Yeah, definitely, right? First Padre to yeah, go cool. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Do you guys think he did that uh, out of selfish reasons? Oh, to go to as a Padre? It was totally despite the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. His still with the Yankees is pretty funny. He, I think at the time he signed his contract, it was the biggest contract of all time. And, like, George Steinbrenner immediately regretted it. <laughs> and he just, like, yeah, he, he just didn't like Dave Winfield the entire time he was a Yankee. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was just despite the Yankees, yeah. Also did it probably to be the first Padre. Yeah, definitely. Going down the history books. Absolutely. All right, uh, Ian, all good? Yeah, I think so. Feel you're missing? I don't think so. All right, 
last but not least, our buddy Andrew. All right, yeah. So uh, I'll start off with uh, my favorite angels. So my favorite angels um, for the current player, that would be Tommy LaStella. And I, I didn't pick that for any particular reason for how he is on the baseball field, even though he, he's definitely a good player. He's a, you know, another one of those guys that's a great utility player, uh, gets on base, you know, really good for the team. But it's more for his story for what he was with the Cubs and kind of like his continued personality, where he almost retired from baseball because he got into Eastern philosophy and Buddhism. And he decided that he was more interested in being Buddhist than he was in, you know, continuing a career in baseball, which he, I guess at the time in private conversations, had attributed to being more interested in like physical material possessions and stuff. So I have to respect someone that's willing to give up that type of life for, you know, a philosophy, philosophy they believe in, you know, regardless of whether or not you guys, listeners, believe in Buddhism or that type of philosophy. I, th- I think that's really interesting and it's, it's definitely the sign of a very interesting character that you don't see often in baseball. So Tommy Listella, you're my favorite angel right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of cool. It's just, you, you yeah, really like that cool. story. I actually didn't know that. So I, I, I did not know that either. So yeah, you know, cool little story. Cool find. And then uh, my favorite all-time angel, that would be Chuck Finley. And that, as you pointed out, Fernando, he's the all-time win leader for the Angels. And, you know, he was really dominant in the early part of his career. And then he was a very good above average pitcher for a long time with the Angels. And, uh, you know, and he's another guy that I picked as a, like kind of a first character. Um, when I first like he really started play, paying attention to baseball in the early 2000s, I remember a story of him where he was assaulted by his then wife and she like really beat him up and like hit him with like a stiletto, like punctured his thigh. And all these different things and he chose not to fight back and for a long time he was being harassed by baseball fans all over the country for not sticking up for himself and for kind of being beaten up by a woman and i thought he handled that so well by like not commenting on it not fighting back not you know not doing anything and also being you know not fighting back in the situation as well so i thought you know he was another guy of like high character for how he handled a very adverse situation publicly yeah, I think that's a lose-lose situation. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you hit a woman, and I mean, not only are you going to jail and, you know, deserve <laughs> to go to jail, but, uh, you know, you're going to look bad for the rest of your life. And, you know, I guess if you don't hit a woman, everyone's going to think you're, you're you're soft, which I don't think is the case at all. I think you should, <laughs> you know, he did the right thing. Yeah, and he didn't, like, try to, like, defend his situation or anything. You know, he just went on playing the game. And being professional, and I gotta respect that as well. So I just remember that stuck with me as a kid, that I thought he handled that you know with a lot of grace for how bad the situation was. So I've always had a lot of respect for him. Yeah, no, I can see why. I, I've met uh, Chuck Finley and Tommy Lasella, both really good guys. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, you got all the connections with the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know either of those two on a personal level. I, I've met Chuck Finley probably like two or three times. Uh, you know, maybe had like a two-minute conversation as he signed the baseball for me. Lestella I've only ever met once uh, when he pulled over his car and gave me an autograph. But, uh, you know, we didn't. I didn't talk to him too much. He, he just uh, well, kind of always looks very serious. <laughs> baseball yeah, that's so definitely what I get from him, yeah. Yeah, stone face. For he's sure, med- he's, med- he's meditating. You can't interrupt him. <laughs> oh, I feel like a bad person for laughing. But uh, no, that's that's seriously. I can't get over how cool of a fact it is that you found about you know being willing to live 
leave your livelihood essentially for something you strongly believe in. So that's awesome of him yeah. to even consider that. Yeah, millions of dollars, you know. That's that's cool. That's a lot of money. But it's a, it's a lot. Most See? people would never even think of that. Yeah, right. Do you know I, how long ago that was? I think that was 2016 or 2017. Okay. It, was, it was right when he was like at like peak Cubs being good when everyone thought they're gonna have a dynasty. Okay, so he so he wasn't making much money because I think this is his last year of arbitration. So he was probably like, what second year at that time? Yeah, he was uh, making the league minimum, but he was playing yeah. well enough, you know, like 380 on base and stuff that he he's definitely looking down the barrel making a lot more money. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I, okay. I remember on those Cubs. Oh, sorry, I remember on those Cubs teams. He was like the go-to pinch hitter, like that. That was like his role was the clutch pinch hitter on those Cubs teams. And yeah, the, you know, yeah. last season he he was having a great season, and I, I if I remember it, he like broke his leg. It was like a horrible injury or something. That, like derailed. Yeah, yeah. The season. He broke his leg uh, and um, had to yeah sit out like basically the entire second half of the season. Uh, he did, however, make the All Star team. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I that tell me Lasella is a tough one for me. I've been on record several times saying that the Angels should trade him just because you know his value was high, and I didn't think that he was going to be able to replicate what he did last year. But I mean, you know, obviously, that doesn't matter now. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna probably not See, gonna have <laughs> it was 16 home runs in like 80 games. Like, when, I don't even think he had 16 home runs his entire career before. Yeah, that. he really is like a prototypical like swing plane change guy where you know. Prior to 2019, he had, I think, 10 career home runs and then 16 home runs in the first half of 2019. Yeah, that's, that's insane. But that was also his first time as a true starter, right? So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, on, on the Cubs in 2018, he had 192 plate appearances in 123 games. So you're looking at like 100 off-the-bench pinch hit appearances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe he was always a good major leaguer. We just, you know, never really got to see him when he was, you know, well, he was hot, if you will, because, yeah. you know, it's very hard to come off the bench and produce. So, you know. Oh, yeah, 100% for sure. That is hard. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, so I guess I got to do my Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I uh, for my Dodgers, uh, for my current player, we go with Justin Turner. Uh, I, I mean, even without having to pick – like, a, you know, a favorite Dodger in, like, now. I've always liked Justin Turner. I follow his box scores. Uh, I'm always rooting for him to do well. You know, he was one of those guys that had a really rough beginning of his career with the Mets. Had, like, a lot of infighting with the team on the direction they wanted to go as far as a player. I think I've talked about that in a previous podcast episode. I believe you have. Yeah, and, you know, for him to go to the Dodgers and just completely reinvent his game like he did and become – you know, arguably the face of the Dodgers as far as, like, the, the position players go for the last, you know, three or four years. I just think it's tremendous. You know, he plays really good defense, gets on base, hits for power. You know, he's one of the best third basemen in all baseball. He has amazing hair. <laughs> you know, maybe not amazing, but <laughs> it just, you know, the guy's a character. I mean, what's his competition? So maybe. Well, well I, there was a story that I remember about him where, yeah, but, right? Uh, I guess uh, Matt Strom. Would be the competition. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> he, he's so ingrained in my head, and you look at pictures of him 
when he was playing on the Mets without facial hair, it's like, who is this guy? Like, what am I looking at right now? It's the beard. Like, yeah, it's the beard that gave him the power. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever seen him without. <laughs> it's weird. It's not pleasant. It's yeah. not in a bad way. He's not like a bad looking guy, but like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's just like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great pick, though. Like, I oh, I was saying last season where, you know, you come up with a you know, game on the line, you know, runner in scoring position, tie game. I don't want Cody Bellinger at the plate. I don't want, you know, the guy that's hardest at the plate. I want Justin Turner at the plate because he always has a knack to come through in these clutch situations. And, you know, every time he's up there, he always gives you a professional at-bat. I mean, professional hitter is a cliche, right? But I think Justin Turner really embodies it. Like, every time he goes up there, he doesn't swing at balls out of the zone. He'll foul off, he'll fight off pitches. He'll give you a good at-bat every time. Even if he grounds out or strikes out at the end, he'll always give you a good at-bat. I don't know if there's a yeah. metric for pitches seen per at-bat, but I feel like if there were, Justin Turner would be near the top of that. Yeah, the, yeah, that's always be. been my... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I would totally agree. Like, 100% professional. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he seemingly seems to always make the big hit when it matters. I mean, and your argument with Justin Turner has kind of always been my argument with uh, with the Angels and uh, Albert Pujols. You know, I mean, people just don't give Albert Pujols enough credit. I mean, the guy always has a good at bat. He always finds a way to be productive, and it's the same thing with Justin Turner. They're... Uh, there's definitely always a role in baseball for guys who have a good eye and find their pitch and just find a way to get the job done. Yeah, and worth mentioning, too, L.A. literally has a Justin Turner day. He does so much fear <laughs> around the city. You know, he, he is just like, he is the face of the franchise, I think. You know, maybe I'm the credit Clinton Kershaw, but uh, he, he really is like really prominent around the city. He grew up in Southern California. Like, he really does just love it there. You think they'll uh, retire his number? Uh, the, the Dodgers do have the new thing where they are starting like the Dodgers Hall of Fame as opposed because before it was you only got your number retired if you were in the actual Hall of Fame, and uh, Justin Turner's not going to be in the actual Hall of Fame. But I I would be for it. I mean, he's one of the defining players of you know this era of Dodgers baseball. Like, he, I I think of all the like he really embodies what the Dodgers have done in the last you know five six years of just pulling these dumpster dive players you know, off the trash heap and turning them into superstars. You know, based on, you know, the analytics and the swing plane and, like, all, all these, you know, new technologies and new theories on baseball. Justin Turner embodies all of that. So, you know, I think he's the face of the current era of Dodger baseball. And hopefully we get a World Series ring for him, you know, all, all the current franchise faces. But I would retire as number if I had the choice. I don't think it will be, but if I had the choice, I would. Yeah. No, I, this, I mean, I'll have to say, every time the Dodgers make the playoffs... I do end up rooting for him because I want to see a team from the West win. Yes. <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always, I'm always I, I'm a trader. I mean, I'm an anti-Dodger during the season, but whatever West team, I mean, I dislike the Dodger. I dislike the Giants more than I dislike the Dodgers for sure. And I, I support that. For <laughs> yeah, right. Of course you do. Uh, you know, my thing with the Dodgers and. You know, maybe even the Yankees. Like, growing up, I was, you know, taught, like, you hate the Dodgers. You hate the Yankees. And, like, my dad just pounded that in my head for years. But right now is kind of different. You know, like, the time of the Yankees being, well, maybe the, the evil empire Yankees are slowly starting to come back now that they got Giancarlo and they got, you know, Garrett Cole. But for a while there, the Yankees, like, had a decent amount of just homegrown talent. So they really weren't the evil empire. 
You know, they, they actually groom these players and turn them into good major leaguers. And that's exactly what the Dodgers are, you know, do. Granted, they buy one or two pieces, but most of those guys were A, uh, in the dumpster and, you know, became somebody like Max Muncy or Justin Turner or, you know, came up through the organization. They're really yeah. good at developing players down there. I mean, it, I understand why people hate the Dodgers. I definitely can see their perspective, but I think they're a difficult team to dislike. You know, it's just such a likable group of guys. And like you mentioned, they don't really have that one marquee, like, mega deal free agent that people can point to and say, like, yeah, you bought all your players. They don't have a Garrett Cole. Like, no, <laughs> but, you know, they have a, They always seem to make that big trade. So it was Manny Machado. It was, um, what's his name, Mookie Betts. Yeah. If he ever plays. <laughs> I love that, that video. Hurt? <laughs> Does that deal hurt you right now, Ian? Right now, oh yeah. I mean, I've I've I was a big fan of Alex Verdugo, so that was that was definitely definitely going to be unfortunate to see him. You know, probably be he'll he'll definitely be a good everyday player. I don't know. He'll probably he definitely has a chance to be an All Star in Boston, so that'll definitely be tough. Um. I, I think the Dodgers have as good a chance as any team to re-sign Mookie Betts, though. So I think if they can re-sign Mookie, the deal's worth it, though. Even if we don't have a season this season. I mean, if they don't have a season this season, they haven't guaranteed that service time's going to count. That's true. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but certainly if he sees no games for the Dodgers, it will probably go down as one of the worst trades in history, but that's not really the fault of the front office. It's kind of getting fluked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they totally knew about the uh, pandemic happening. Yeah, exactly. It should have yeah. been up on their China news. I saw the, <laughs> um, a photo on Twitter of somebody with a Mookie Betts Dodgers jersey and an Antonio Brown Raiders jersey, and they said they have the <laughs> most obscure jersey collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll be a funny story in a couple of years. Uh, you guys want to know what I have in my parents' closet? So it's a football jersey. Guess what football jersey it is, though. Oh, man. The, if any of you guys can guess what obscure football jersey I have in my parents' uh, – in my closet at my parents' house, I will buy you guys a hot dog and a beer if I ever – next time I go to one – to a game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you guys each one guess. All right. Uh, Tim Tebow Jets. Okay. No, that's not it. <laughs> Andrew? Obscure jersey. Uh – in the closet, I'm gonna guess it's a. I want to say like something with the Raiders, LA Raiders, back in the day after they moved. No, it's a uh, so. Uh, Ian was really close. It was the Tim Tebow Patriots jersey. Oh. Never <laughs> wore it. Never ever wore it. I mean, I don't like the Patriots at all, which is I don't know why I bought it. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Now I'm just kind of thinking about it, like, why the hell did I buy it? Like, I wouldn't have even worn it. I don't like the Patriots. <laughs> now you got to get yeah, a Tim Tebow Mets jersey. Yeah. I have a Tim Tebow Mets jersey. Oh, man. You got to get a second yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, I, I go to college, and I'm like, uh, it's upstate New York, so it's kind of halfway between Yankees and Red Sox territory. So, you know, the, the news comes that Mookie Betts is a Dodger. And I really wanted to get a Mookie Best Dodgers jersey just to rub it in the face of all the Red Sox fans I go to school with. I think it'd be pretty funny, but I'm glad I didn't do it in hindsight. It would it would have not been the best move. Yeah, it'll I come think back so. on you. Yeah. 
It still would have been funny. <laughs> you know, if you would have bought it from China, it would have been like a $20. You know, it would have been funny for like a couple weeks. So it doesn't matter. I think we cut Andrew off, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I got, one more, I got one more player for the Dodgers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I'll try it. I'll try it. Tom still. You know, the number two to Sandy Koufax. And uh, yeah, he's another guy that I like uh, based on just stories I heard about him. And, you know, he's like the original Bulldog pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, was it Minnie Minot? Was that the old dog, uh, old player for the Mets? And uh, he had a story where he talked about talking to Drysdale about why he would come up and in the fastball twice in a row, it, you know, for two obvious balls. And he said, uh, Drysdale said, well, I threw the first one and up it in to scare the batter. And then I threw the second one just to let the batter know that it was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of quotes from him. Like, you know, he has time as a broadcaster for a while. And they're just all about, like, how much he hated. Like, he would convince himself before he went out on the mound that he hated every single batter for the other team. If someone threw up and in on, on against the Dodgers, he was going to come out and hit someone with his hardest fastball. And that's just, like, embodies to me, like, 1960s baseball with the hard up and in fastballs, you know, just the whole – Bulldog mentality before everyone knew that brain damage would make it so you couldn't have emotional regulation in your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah, know, I always respected that, you know, Hall of Fame Dodger, great pitcher, just always willing to take the ball and like go out there and throw as many pitches as he could. Yeah. Guy, different era, you know, he's a cool guy. Absolutely. Good pick. I'm surprised you didn't pick Steve Garvey because you said your dad was a big <laughs> Garvey fan, right? Yeah, I had to, I had to hold shine on that one. Not a Garvey fan. <laughs> I think we've already Sorry, had the Steve Garvey is overrated conversation on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you did take that stance, yes. We'll have to come up with the, the least favorite players for the other team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that might be kind of hard if we're doing current. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like all time we could probably figure that one out. That's true. I mean, I could probably talk about why I don't like Manny Machado. That wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but did you like Manny Machado as a Dodger, even though he wasn't Johnny Hustle? Um, I rooted for him while he was a Dodger. He probably he's probably my least favorite Dodger in recent memory, but <laughs> I don't know. He kind of embodies everything I dislike about you know the current state of baseball. This is I'm a whole tangent, but I don't just know if I want to go. <laughs> I don't know if he just cares about money. It's that he doesn't put it all on the line. Like you don't look at him and. He admits that he doesn't put it all out there, you know? And, you know, in the World Series, I mean, that may be one of the angriest moments I've ever, ever seen. One of the angriest, you know, I can remember myself watching baseball is when he, you know, jogged out thinking he hit a home run in the World Series and got stuck with a single off the wall. I might be one of the most upset. I don't, I'm not really one to get upset at players for making mistakes in a baseball game, but that might be the most upset I've ever been at a player. Watching a baseball game. Yeah, I was pretty upset too at the time. And I mean, I, I changed my tune once the Padres signed him. I remember when uh, Milton Bradley was on the uh, Padres and he caught a he caught a two out pop up at Wrigley Field, caught it and then threw it. Oh, in and the chucked it in the stands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was he, Padre, was he a part at that time? I, th- I think he was. Yeah. And then. I think uh, a couple weeks later, he charged an umpire, and Mike Cameron tried to get in front of him to stop him. And Mike Cameron tore his ACL, yeah. Yeah. Good time. (laughs) 
And I mean, everyone's pretty convinced that if it wasn't for that, the Padres would have made the playoffs that year. Yeah, because it collapsed last week of the season. The Rockies had that like insane run, and uh, there was no Mike Cameron in center field. I, I think he like tried to come out in center field, and then like had to like, leave right away. Yeah. Oh, good times, good times, and uh, that'd be a fun potential episode. Like, hey, uh, low points in uh, team history, and we can do like, yeah. a bracket. Yeah. <laughs> do a bracket. <laughs> All right. Um, do we have any closing thoughts, uh, fellas? I am Anybody? hoping by the time we record our next episode, we will have news that there's going to be a major league baseball season. That is, that is my hope. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm hoping this is just some kind of horrible bargain tactic, kind of like when uh, you're at the car dealership and you're like, what? You're not going to take off an extra $1,000? Okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> the car dealer's like, all right, goodbye. And they truly <laughs> don't care. And then you realize, all right, fine, I'm not going to do this anymore. Let's just take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping it's one of those situations. Me too. Man, I, I just read a stat about like how much revenue was lost after the 1994 uh, strike. And there was nine hundred million dollars in loss of revenue. I think the next year. And so, like, and the owners are talking about losing seven hundred million dollars this year from playing. So it's like, just just think about that, owners. If any of you by chance ever listen to this, just yeah. You're, I mean, I know you got number of guys crunching it out for you, and that's what you're going off of. But you know, projections aren't always accurate. You got to look at historical context. Yeah, the Mets get projected to win the National League East every year, so. Yeah. Yeah. These numbers are accurate. Every time. Um, All right, is that it as far as closing thoughts? Yeah, that's my closing thought. Just love you, Tony. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. uh, So, once again, folks, on the day we're recording this, it's the sixth year passing of Tony Gwynn. So, uh, you know, I... I still think that uh, that's just those words alone still hurt a lot of people in San Diego uh, and a lot of baseball fans around the world. I still remember the day he passed away it was a very hard day for me as a fan. And I'm sure very, very, very many people can uh, relate to that. Um, I think besides that, uh, I speak on behalf of everybody uh, on, uh, on our team here that uh, we hope that you guys stay safe. Uh, still. I mean, a lot of people think that, things are you know hey things are starting to open up let's go out to dinner you know that's fine if you decide to do that i mean we've gone out to dinner a couple times but we ask that you take every precaution possible obviously we're not doctors but uh you know stay safe social distance if you are going to go out wear your mask wear any kind of ppe you think is necessary right i think we could all endorse that absolutely um and uh for anybody who's protesting out there uh, you know I, I understand a lot that's going on right now um I, I, me personally, I can't speak on behalf of you guys. I fully support everything you guys are, are protesting for, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, to be honest. I mean, it's your right to have your opinion and voice it. Uh, but regardless, stay safe out there. Uh, still social distance, even if you're protesting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on PPE, COVID-19, and protests. So, <laughs> on next week's episode of the Down yeah. the Podcast. <laughs> Down and away politics, as Andrew calls it. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Let's uh, not divide our user base even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we are all. We do all have doctorates in epidemiology. This so we do know what we're talking about. Yeah, I studied yeah, thirty-four yeah. years. At epi- you know. 
Maybe <laughs> at the University of Phoenix for 12 minutes. I read a lot of Wikipedia articles. <laughs> yeah, so Wikipedia articles about the clown. I have a YouTube doctorate, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's going to about do it out of us uh, this evening. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, tell your friends about our show. Uh, let us know what we're doing better. I see that we have a couple of uh, reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, nobody's written anything, though. We have quite a few five-star reviews, which is cool, but nobody's writing anything. So I don't know if that's my mom just creating several different, <laughs> <laughs> different users so she can just give, like, 16 five-star reviews. But uh, if you guys want to go ahead and start writing some reviews, that'd be great. Just so we can know what we can do to make our show even better. Uh, if you need me to get rid of myself, that's fine. Just let me know. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right, guys. On behalf of everyone here at the Down the Way Podcast, stay safe. Have a good night, and let's get some baseball happening. Bye, guys. Absolutely. Have a good one, everybody.